0: Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our current series, Summer in the Gospels. This summer, we're spending our Sunday mornings in the Gospels, which are the first four books in the New Testament. In each passage, Jesus teaches an important lesson about what it means to follow Him. When we read these scriptures, it will help us learn more about Jesus and how to help us follow Him watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Well, again, we're glad that you're joining us here in, in the house as well as those of you online. We're, we're glad that we can be together to celebrate today and to worship God. We're in the middle of the series called Summer in the Gospels, and we're encouraging people to read through the Gospels this summer. I would encourage you to look for more information on that on our website, because we just really want to help people get engaged with God's Word. Back in 2009, I had the privilege to travel to Israel uh, and walk in some of the places where I had read that Jesus had walked. And and I was so blessed to go there and to experience so many different things in, in so many places that I had read about in Scripture. And not only did it give me insight into the places we read about in Scripture, it also gave me insight into what we read in the Bible about Judaism and and how people interpreted the Old Testament and followed it. You know, I have so many significant memories from that trip, and one of them happened on a Friday. And I tell you it's on a Friday because that's significant. If you know anything about Judaism, you know that Friday is the Sabbath in Judaism. It begins at sundown on Friday. And it concludes on Saturday at sundown. Now when I was Israel, somewhere tucked away in my brain, I I knew that Jewish people celebrate the Sabbath on Friday. Uh, I knew that because I had driven through communities where there's Jewish populations, and and I've seen Orthodox Jews, particularly in their traditional clothing and hats as they're walking to synagogues on Friday. Walking because driving a car is not allowed, and I'll explain that in a minute. But I'd never been in a place where Judaism was the dominant culture. And so I was a bit unprepared on that Friday evening when the hotel where we were staying in began to fill with Jewish worshipers because their synagogue rented out the banquet hall of that hotel for their Sabbath service and their dinner. I did a lot of people watching. Because I was curious. I I, I wanted to understand more, uh, both about Judaism in in modern day, but also uh, things that I could help me understand Scripture more. So, you know, if you remember the Ten Commandments, the fourth commandment says this. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now, it doesn't end there. It goes on and it says, you have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day He rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So the Sabbath is supposed to be a day dedicated to God, where we rest and where we don't work. It's interesting to then to see how Judaism in Jesus' day, and even today, lay out the definitions of what can and what cannot be done on the Sabbath, because it would be considered work. And thus, to work on the Sabbath would be in a direct... uh, uh, Ignorance of that 10 commandment, that one of the 10 commandments, and, and so it would be sin. Now, in the Gospels, we get a sense of how work was debated in Jesus' day, but on a modern Jewish website, I learned about how Jewish people still today discuss the laws. That's what they call them regarding how to observe the Sabbath. And on one uh, website, it states what one should refrain from doing on the Sabbath. Now, this, there's different uh, uh, strains of Judaism. This would be for the, uh, the Orthodox, the more conservative branch. But things that they say you have to restrain from. Writing, erasing, tearing, business transactions— driving or riding in cars or other vehicles, shopping, using the telephone, turning on or off anything which loses, uses electricity, including lights, radios, televisions, computers, air conditioners, and alarm clocks, cooking or baking or making a fire, gardening or mowing the grass, and the list goes on. So, you, you get the idea, for me, it's a little hard to fathom the, this sort of Obsessive attention to detail that followers of Judaism give to deciding what is considered work and what isn't. So back to that night in Jerusalem on the Sabbath. One of the most ingenious ways I saw that helped people observe the Sabbath while avoiding avoiding work was at the elevators. Since pushing the elevator button would be considered work, one of the elevators was designated as the Sabbath elevator. So, that meant this. It meant that it stopped at every floor. Now, this hotel we were in was over 10 stories high, and it would stop, and the doors would open automatically, and it would stay open for a pre-prescribed, programmed amount of time, and then it would close, and then it would go either up to the next floor until it reached the top, Completing all that again, and then down each floor. Now, if you were an observant Jew, this is a great way to avoid work and be able to get to your room. But if you were not an observant Jew, and you were a Gentile like me, and you got on that elevator and you had to go to the ninth floor, he's like, oh, no, I can't believe. Because there was another elevator where it would work the way elevators are used to working. Now. All of that is important for us understanding today's passage from the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus teaches about the Sabbath. So I'm going to read from the Gospel of Mark. If you're following along in your Bibles, I'm going to start in chapter 2, and go, uh, chapter two verse 23, and then I'm going to actually go on into chapter 3. So chapter 2, verse 23, into chapter 3. One Sabbath day. As Jesus was walking through some grain fields, His disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read in the Scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? They went into the house of God during the days when Abathar was the high priest. And they broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. And then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So, the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Now, going on to the next chapter, we see that not long after this, Jesus began to teach more about the Sabbath. So in chapter 3, we read, Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is it a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, Hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At once, the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. So, what do we learn from these passages? Well, first and foremost, we learn that Jesus makes it clear what the purpose of the Sabbath is. So, going back to that first story, Jesus and His disciples were doing something that was really very common in Jewish culture in the first century. As they walked through fields, as many people would do, they would pick and eat kernels of the wheat. And they would do this because in Jewish law, it mandated that when wheat fields were harvested, they would be harvested in such a way that the corners of the field would be left with grain still on the stalk. They did that because It was allowed that anyone could then eat that, whether they uh, didn't have the money or whatever. It was as long as they just picked it by hand and ate it, they could. Actually law said you couldn't go back with harvesting equipment and harvest it. So that's what Jesus and His disciples were doing. They were picking off heads of grain, they were rubbing it together between their hands to get the, the chaff off of the heads of grain, and then they were eating it. But the Pharisees interpreted what they were doing as reaping and winnowing and threshing and preparing a meal. So, in that that instance, they said, well, your disciples are breaking God's law. And so, Jesus responds, and He reminds them about what David did. It's written in the Old Testament Scriptures. And so, He he wants to explain to them, listen, He said, there are times when there are exceptions, Jesus was trying to explain to these people that the number of rules regarding how to keep the Sabbath had become a heavy burden to following those rules, to be in a relationship with God. They had made the day of rest not a day of rest, but had turned it into a burdensome day of rule-keeping. And in fact, uh, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus actually points that out to the teachers of the law. He says, you crush people with unbearable religious demands, and you never lift a finger to ease their burden. So going back to that passage in Mark, Jesus reminds those leaders of the purpose of the Sabbath. He says, listen, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So just a little background. The observance of the Sabbath was one of the principal distinguishing marks of the, the Jews as the people of God, and as such, it was promoted and defended with a pietistic, a religious zeal. One scholar was writing about this and said, it was a matter of national pride. While the principle of Sabbath observance was agreed upon by all Jews, problems arose over what they meant in practice. So, the Old Testament offered positive principles that the day was to be holy, that it was supposed to be a time of rest, and that no work was supposed to be done on it. But then, it was on this aspect of what work really was, what it constituted, where the debate centered what was work? And so, while the Old Testament offered several illustrations of uh, prohibitions, they don't add up to a comprehensive definition of work. And, and so, many of those leaders felt that that definition needed to be clearly defined. So, you can see the Pharisees were focused on how to define what was and wasn't work, and thus how to keep the Sabbath to the nth degree well, Jesus wanted to remind everything that God remind everyone that God gave humanity the Sabbath for their benefit, not to obsess over what it was and what is or isn't work, and to drive that home. Not long after he challenged the Pharisees on the purpose of the Sabbath, he was presented with a person who needed healing. Knowing if he healed the person's deformed hand, we'd be accused of breaking the Sabbath law. He still did it. But before he healed that person's hand, he asked them a question. Remember the question? Does the law permit doing good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing evil? Can you give life, or do you have to kill people? You see, if God made the Sabbath to bless humans, then it should be okay to do things that help people, to do good, to save lives, if it consti- whether it's constituted working or not. The purpose of the Sabbath was to bless people, not curse them. God gave us the Sabbath to bless us with rest from the rat race of life, not to pile up a list of impossible rules to follow. Now, uh, I want to pause here uh, for a moment uh, because, you know, I believe in Christianity the practice of taking the fourth commandment seriously, to, to have a Sabbath, ha- has faded away for many Christ followers. I can still remember growing up, you know, my father was very diligent to say, hey, you know, if I don't get the grass mowed by Saturday, I'll mow it next week. I'm not going to mow it on Sunday. And I, I observed things like that in my household growing up, but I, I don't observe that in, uh, in Christian households and, and, candidly, sometimes in my own life uh, today. Uh, so God gave us the Sabbath and that command to observe a Sabbath rest every week for our good. The Sabbath was made for humanity. It's for our benefit. It's life-giving. But if we don't have a practice of keeping the Sabbath, we miss out on that goodness. So, how do we observe the Sabbath? Without going into detail, allow me to suggest four ways to practice the Sabbath. First is obvious, rest. Stop working. Rest. Third, uh, excuse me. Next, take some time to think about God's blessing and find delight in your knowledge of and relationship with God. And, and fourth, take time to worship God. Now, uh, I wanted to take that pause because this is a little prelude uh, to what we're going to be doing this fall at Valley Brook. We we are going to have a, a sermon series and uh, our life group season will kick off with a more deep dive study on the Sabbath, and it will challenge us to look at how we practice the Sabbath in our lives. So uh, I hope that you will be a part of that in the fall. So big picture, as Jesus said, the purpose of the Sabbath is for humankind. And Jesus concludes that teaching with an important declaration that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Let's go back and look at verse 28. He said, So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Why does Jesus say that? Jesus says that because he's exercising his authority, which is something that was not missed by the Jewish leaders and it infuriated them. But in saying he is the Lord of the Sabbath, and as he does in every conflict with the Jewish leaders regarding keeping of the Sabbath, he's interpreting God's Word for them and and also for us. He's interpreting it by saying, look, scriptural precedent shows that human need ranks above a ritual observance of the law in God's sight. In other words, human life is more important so, in fact, on one Sabbath day, when Jesus knew that he was being watched by the Pharisees, a man who was obviously ill uh, was there, and Jesus saw an opportunity to demonstrate that he was the Lord of the Sabbath. There's several passages of this uh, similar stories like this in the Gospels. So, we read this uh, from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the religious law, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day or not? When they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and healed him and sent him away. So, this created a dilemma for the Pharisees. To allow healing on the Sabbath violated the tradition that they so zealously taught and sought to uphold. But to forbid such healing would appear that they lacked compassion and care for somebody in need. So, obviously, uh, They didn't believe Jesus' teaching on the kingdom of God. They remained fast to their ritualistic and legalistic interpretation, but they were afraid to show their hand in front of the crowd there. So after Jesus healed the man, he turned to the Pharisees and to the experts in the religious law, and this is what he asked him, if one of you has a child or an ox, that falls into a well on a Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull them out? Now, obviously, they knew the right answer, but they wouldn't answer Jesus. They wanted to save face, they wanted to plead ignorance. But think this through you know, saving your child or a valuable animal was more important than a legalistic adherence to the law. I mean, could you imagine someone saying, well, you know, my, my child fell in a well, and because it was the Sabbath day, and to rescue them would be work, I, I, I didn't, and she died. I mean, nobody would do that. So, he was, he was really confronting them with the craziness of what they were talking about in their legalistic interpretation of following the Sabbath law. Now, obviously, this made them angry with Jesus uh, because they knew he was challenging them and he was asserting their, his authority. But what this tells us today in 2023 is good news because it tells us that Jesus, as the Lord of the Sabbath, that means that he's God. And therefore, God the Father and God the Son have given us the Sabbath to give us life and to bless us And to draw us closer to them. And God's word, as we see, testifies to this goodness. So there's one last thing in in this passage that I want us to look at. And it's the sign of the Sabbath and what that means for us. Uh, This week I was out trail running at Holcomb Farm in West Granby. If you know Holcomb Farm, you you know that there are trails all over. Some of them are single-track trails. Some of them are wide, probably old farm trails. And you know, I've got to hand it to the managers of Holcomb Farms because they've uh, done a good job of blazing the trails and even putting directional arrows and signs for you to follow so you don't get lost. Well, I was running, and I thought, yeah, I know where I am. I don't need to look at the signs, you know, and, you know, I've got a good sense of direction. I know east from west and north from south, and so I saw another trail, and I went down it, and before I knew it, I was in somebody's backyard. <laughs> I was like, uh, I don't think I'm supposed to be here, and so thankfully, I was able to backtrack where I had come from and find a sign, and I followed the signs. All the way out of the woods and back to my car. So, um, signs are important. (laughs) We should pay attention to signs. Uh, In his book, Bury Your Ordinary, Pastor Justin Kendrick points out that when Jesus referred to himself as the Lord of the Sabbath, that tells us something important. It's a sign. He said, Jesus was trying to reframe their understanding of the practice of the Sabbath in Jesus' day. The day of rest was given to God's people as a physical reminder of deeper spiritual truth that you don't need physical rest only. You also need soul rest. He goes on and he says, you can sleep for 10 hours and still wake up with a weary soul. You don't need a break from physical work only. You also need the peace and inner rest that comes from perfect acceptance before God. But how can anyone attain that? He writes, as a sinful person, your conscience is never on sure footing before the holiness of God. And that was why Jesus called himself the Lord of the Sabbath. He was saying all the regulations of the Jewish law point to me. That's what Jesus was saying. All the traditions of Judaism point to me. Jesus was saying, I am your Sabbath rest. Scripture tells us that very same thing. Look at what God told Moses to tell Israel. In the book of Exodus, we read this. God is speaking to Moses and says, Tell the people of Israel, be careful to keep my Sabbath day, for the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant between me and you from generation to generation. It is given so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. The Sabbath is a sign. To us, of the God who makes us holy. Remember what signs do. They point to a destination. One scholar writes this, The practice of Sabbath as a physical rest points to God's promise of deeper soul rest for his people. This rest can be obtained only when we realize that we cannot make ourselves holy. God makes us holy through the death of Christ on the cross. Jesus received our restlessness writhing in agony on the cross so that we could receive his perfect record of righteousness before a holy God. He makes you holy. The Sabbath points to our holy rest in Jesus. The writer of Hebrews explains, there remains then... A Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. So Jesus is our Sabbath rest. He graciously saved us so we could stop striving for something that we could not attain. Peace with God and the promise of eternal life. So if you have Jesus, if you believe in him, you have that Sabbath rest. You have that peace in life while you're here and that promise of eternal life with Him. Let me go back to the words of Justin Kendrick. He writes, God rested on the seventh day, not because He was tired or worn out from all that galaxy building. He rested because He was satisfied and then Justin concludes by saying, we can find true Sabbath rest when we realize that when, the, uh, when God looks at us, he sees our lives through the lens of Jesus, the Son of God. And because of the cross, Jesus sees us, God sees us and is deeply satisfied with us. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus did on our behalf. The Sabbath, then, is a sign that points to our Savior, Jesus, who saves us by grace. There is nothing we can do to work for salvation, so follow the sign from God to salvation and rest in this life from striving to be perfect. So God has given us the Sabbath. It was meant for us to know He loves us and cares for us and has eternal life for us. It's a sign that points to Jesus and that we can have Him as our Savior and have a relationship with God through faith in Him. And so, we have to respond to that. And there's two ways to respond. One, we've already talked about today. We respond by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior by deciding to follow Him. And so, if you did pray that prayer today, I want to encourage you to come and see me after the service because I want to give you some free material to help you grow deeper in that relationship that you've started today. And if you didn't pray that prayer, but you want to, I'm going to give you the opportunity to again. But there's something else. If you've already prayed that prayer, if you're a follower of Jesus, we need to take time to actually start thinking about what it means to observe the Sabbath, to take part in that, that gift that God has given us, not just for physical rest, but for soul rest, for for delighting in our relationship with God and and focusing on Him and worshiping Him. So I'm going to invite you to spend a little time talking to God about that too through some silent prayer. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up because I want to move into this time of prayer. And as I do, this prayer is going to give you some opportunity to tell God that you believe in Him and want to follow Him if you haven't done that. And then also to talk to Him about leaning in the rest that God has provided us through the Sabbath and through Jesus. So if you would bow your heads and let's pray. God as we gather here today, we recognize that you have sent your son Jesus and he is the Lord of the Sabbath, and we praise you and thank you for that. And for anyone, Lord, who's never put their faith and trust in Jesus, and you want to today, just going to invite you to pray silently to him right now. I'm not going to give you words, but go ahead and pray silently to him. And then for those who already have put their trust in Jesus and are following him, I'm going to invite you to talk to Jesus about... Letting Him be the Lord of your Sabbath rest, to not just stop your nine to five or whatever you do all week long, but to actually spend some time just delighting in Him, resting in Him, letting your soul rest with Him. So go ahead and talk to Him about that. Lord God, we thank you that you have given us the Sabbath rest for eternity, but also in this lifetime. May we lean into that and explore that in a deeper relationship with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.